Hey folks, and welcome back to Backstage Pass with Tony and Jason. We are super excited today. Jason, are we excited about today? I cannot explain how excited I am. It is super exciting day because we have our very first interview. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be interviewing the one, the only, Mark Blackwood. Jason, are you excited about that? Oh my goodness, this is going to be wonderful. This is going to be a fun episode as we step backstage with Tony and Jason. Here we are. We're uh, going to be interviewing the world-famous Mark Blackwood today. It's going to be a fun day. We've got all kinds of good questions for him. And uh, Mark, are you excited to be here today? Uh, if I got any more excited, I think I'd pass out. I this is it. just great to be here. And we're in Boulder City. We're Boulder Nevada. City, Nevada. And we're here around the uh, wonderful studios of, uh, what do you call your corporation? Or your this is Backstage with Tony and Jason. Do you know why the Tony is first? Backstabbing with Tony and Jason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's always Tony because Tony's oh, first. No. Oh, Tony's no. first. Tony's first. Tony's got to be first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun stuff. <laughs> we've we have thought about this podcast for a long time, and we've always wanted to have an opportunity and a format to be able to interview people. And who better to start off our interviewing time than Mark Blackwood, the person that we work for and with? The legendary, the legendary Mark Blackwood. So it's uh, it's a great opportunity to be able to sit down with you. I know a lot of people want to know uh, a little bit more about who you are and where you came from. And uh, the very first thing that I'm going to ask is, uh, uh, in the series of questions that I have, is who is your daddy and what does he do? Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> it's very Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> my father. Who was your daddy and what does he uh, do? My daddy was Cecil Stamps Blackwood. He was born in 1934 in Choctaw County, Mississippi. And his daddy was Roy Emmett Blackwood, who was the originator of the Blackwood Brothers that started in 1934. Wow. Roy and his... Uh two brothers and his youngest son were the original Blackwood brothers and then my father joined the Blackwood brothers in 54 and he was with the group until he passed in the year 2000 at the age of 66 and now being the third generation we're carrying on the uh, the music that started in 1934 the the work and and happy to do it and happy to be here with you guys today this is great thank you so much uh, let me ask this question as an early uh, knower of exactly who the Blackwood brothers are, I mean, and were at the time, did did you feel like when you were a kid, man, when I grow up, I want to be a Blackwood brother. I want to sing. Was that was that your early aspiration as, as far as a young man? Did you think, I want to do this for a living? I say most definitely yes. My my grandfather's ambition was, was to be a singer and a preacher, and he fulfilled that. My dad's ambition was to be a singer or a preacher, and he ended up being a, a, a singer. And all my, you know, as a young age, I either wanted to be in music production or sing. And uh, I've got to do both, and uh, I'm like you know, a third generation getting to do this, uh, sing or, like my grandfather, preach, and, uh, and my, my father. That's very cool. Does, uh, did the Blackwood brothers and, uh, and, and the Blackwood family own about half of Memphis? 
Because every time we go to Memphis, I'm. Yeah, we had a store over here. Yeah. We, we were talking about the in uh, the other podcast that we just did. No, but they probably owed everybody in we, Memphis. Well, sure, <laughs> it's probably more more like it. <laughs> we we love the fact that when we go to Memphis, you have all these great stories. We love to hear all the wonderful things that are going on in Memphis years and years ago, and, and as they pertain to the Blackwoods, it's it's an honor to be in a group with you, of course, but to hear the, mm-hmm. the heritage and the history, Agreed. it's such a cool thing to hear all those stories. We love that kind of stuff. So I'm glad to finally find some people that are bored enough like me to, to listen to them. <laughs> What's um, your favorite story of Memphis? My favorite story of Memphis? <coughs> That's really hard to say. I have to think about that one. Uh, I, my father and my uncle and uh, J.D. Sumner started the National Quartet Convention at in Memphis. It was held at the Ellis Auditorium. And I believe the first one was in 57. Of course, I was there. And I got to see all these people up close and personal, these gospel singers that people talk about today and and uh, and write articles about. I knew them all personally as a child and growing up, uh, you know, with my father. Introduced me to everybody. Matter of fact, at the quartet convention in Memphis, there used to be the auditorium where they had the concerts, and right next to it, they had one of the convention halls. Didn't know that was called that at the time. We called it the record room because that's where all the quartets and people would set their records up. And I used to tell my dad, "I want, I want this record. I want that record. That record." And he would go with me to each rec- quartet and say, "This is my son, Mark, and he wants your record." Oh yeah, see, so whatever. <laughs> so that, that's that's a fond memory. Also, that kind of got me involved in the production work of uh, the Oak Ridge Boys who were one of my favorite groups even before they were world famous Oak Ridge Boys the Smitty Gatlin and Herman Harper Oak Ridge Boys they changed record companies from one of the gospel labels I think I can't remember what they were with Skylight I think they're like one of the first people other than the Blackwood Brothers being signed to a major label RCA Victor they got signed to Warner Brothers mm-hmm. And watching the production of like who produced that record and how that happened, that that is the original thing that got me interested in production work as well as singing because I was inspired by how it sounded, the unique turn they took in their career, and how they got outside people other than the normal gospel people to make their Warner Brother recordings. Wow! Yeah. So your opportunities in studios and being able to produce goes back a long, long way. Well, I didn't really get a chance to do anything. I just just got inspired you know, back in, in the 60s. But when I was uh, 19 years old, I was not sure what I wanted to do with my life. At 8, 9, and 10, I was singing professionally with the Blackwood Little Brothers, a quartet me and my cousin Billy put together, and we sang a lot together. But then I kind of lost interest in singing. And I uh, and uh, my dad told me at 19 years old, he pointed his finger at me and he said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to run our record company. I'm going to sign groups up all around the country and send them to you. You meet them in Nashville. You charge them $21.50. Collect half of it. You get Tony Brown, Donnie Sumner, Tommy Strong, and he named also other musicians. Take them to the studio, record their record, collect half the money, press a thousand albums for him and then when those thousand records were ready you get the other half the money so he gave me my first job and wow. showed me what to do in, in production and it, you know went on from there and that can fly really really well on the name alone you can say this is a blackwood endeavor and it goes 
as far as it can. Yeah, especially that time it did. They were very popular and uh, influential, and so I probably did a hundred uh, custom jobs uh, before I was 25 years old um, and in in the production work, yeah, uh, producing records. The name Blackwood is a household name. You, it's it it can be even said that it's probably a worldwide name that uh, people all around the, the world have been influenced by the last name Blackwood in some way. Wouldn't, well, you, wouldn't you say that? Well, in 1954, the Black Brothers, R.W. was in the group at the time, my uncle who was killed in a plane crash, he and the Black Brothers flew to New York City and they appeared on the CBS Arthur Godfrey Talent Contest and they won it. Well, that's awesome. And that was the first time people heard gospel music on their TV from coast to coast. Everybody in the wow. United States of America got to see that show. That was in 54. Um, and then they went back again in 56 and they won it a second time. Wow. Which again, people from coast to coast you know, could see the gospel music in the Blackwood Brothers. In 1951, Steve Schultz who was the head record executive for RCA Victor Records, same guy that signed Elvis to RCA, signed the Black Brothers. And that put our music all over the world because the distribution of RCA Victor Records was the biggest, largest record company in the world. So them recording for that label put their music everywhere. Wow. So that, you know, winning off the Godfrey and being signed to RCA Victor Records got all that rolling that way. And not only did it, I think, if push you guys but you guys also your family pushed I mean it paved the way for gospel music for everyone even today I believe directly and indirectly my dad used to say all the time uh, when the water goes up in the pond all the ducks go up and yeah. when the water goes down all the ducks go down so the success of the Blackwood Brothers and the Statesman helped a lot of people directly and sure. indirectly we we, my dad my Uncle James Hovey Jake JD took certain people under their wings and helped them directly, you know, uh, we're, we're going to make your records, or you're going to appear on our TV show, right. or you're going to tour with us. That, you know, that's the direct way it helped a lot of people and other people just having, a, you know, four white guys singing like four black guys and, and thrilling people just, you know, helped, helped everybody. And that's, that's, is that a direct quote from someone that actually said that? Hey, I've said it for years. I don't, I don't know if I heard... Uh, uh, some might say that or not, but it, but it is true that the statesmen, the Black Brothers, got their influence from uh, Dr. Herbert Brewster, who was the pastor of Trigg Avenue Baptist Church, a black church in, in Memphis. They got a lot of their ideas. Mm -hmm. They got a, the tune, I Want to Be More Like Jesus, and so many others at that church. And Jay Kess's favorite singer, I can't remember his name, but is a black man. He was a lead singer for the Ink Spots. Wow. So yeah, black black influence is just made the cutting edge difference of the black brothers and the statesmen and what we have today. There's no black influence in in our gospel music world like like there was in the '50s and yeah. '60s, and that that's just made a big difference. Phenomenal. Now tell me about this. I know you've got these these old boys from Choctaw County, Mississippi. <laughs> did not have the same and and I made fun of Jason I don't make fun I kind of poked fun a little bit of his accent last he night cuz he said the word sirene sorry uh, he said when he when 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 Jason talks I and I close my eyes and I, I I could it's Jeff Foxworthy it is right there, man. now you boys <laughs> now there's a good boy <laughs> 
I, I can just imagine these 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 boys from Choctaw County, Mississippi, did not have what would be maybe an appealing accent or one that would be accepted by people in New York or in other well, they, in other major metropolitan areas. Tell me about that. Well, they all had a very heavy southern accent, being from Choctaw County, <laughs> Mississippi. But Michael James and uh, other members of the family uh, loved Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And, and, you know, the likes and the mid-Atlantic accent is James started mimicking that. He talked like this, you know, this is James Blackwood of the Blackwood Brothers. Well, he was just mimicking the mid-Atlantic accent like Roosevelt would have spoke or Gregory Peck. To, to try to, to fit in. To fit in so not be misunderstood, you know. So, some members of the family adapted that and, 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 you know, but others still talk like they're from the... <laughs> Backwoods of Mississippi. <laughs> now, would that accent come back if they went back down home, if they were doing a show in Mississippi or Alabama or even Texas or one of those? Would that accent come back again? Yeah, my dad spoke very Southern, like I do uh, when he's around us. But when he was places that he needed to be where he needed to be understood or make a point, whatever, he could uh, mask his Southern accent. And, and James was the same way. And. Uh, I think I'm the same way a lot. My wife tells me that when I get tired, my southern accent really comes back out. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I can understand that, too. That's pretty cool. What, uh, what kind of influence did Elvis have in, in not just being in Memphis, but being a part of uh, what we would consider the Blackwood family? What kind of influence did Elvis Presley have? Well, it, it, it's hard to say uh, at the risk of sounding presumptuous. If Elvis was sitting right here, he would reverse that question and say, let me tell you about the influence the Blackwoods had on me and uh, and going to church together and him loving quartet music, uh, which, you know, the, the whole world wants to be Elvis Presley, and all Elvis Presley wanted to be was a Blackwood brother. So you know this, this kind of that question is kind of reversed in my mind. But well, the Blackwood brothers were there long before Elvis ever was, and and right, and and they, he was extremely influenced by them and the statesman. Jake Jake loved Big Chief. He loved JKS, and he loved, of course, my family, the Blackwood brothers. Yeah, we're not talking about there being such a, a saturating amount of groups in this world. You had statesmen. You had. Blackwood Brothers. You had so few, you know. You didn't. Mm. You didn't have uh, so many to model after. Now you've got these boys from Choctaw County, Mississippi, that are influencing the king of rock and roll. Yeah. Wow. What a big deal. That is a big deal. You know. Can, a lot. Do you have a favorite Elvis story that uh, that you can tell on our podcast? <laughs> that I can tell on the podcast. <laughs> Gosh, there's just so many things. Uh, for for some reason, the first thing that comes to my mind is one time I was with my dad and the Black Brothers on their Silverside Eagle bus, and my mother was there, which was very unusual. We were on the bus going west, out of Memphis. I'm not sure where we are going, but uh, a Dodge Mobile, those like the original RVs, uh, Pastors was waiting us to get off the road, whatever, and somebody said, That's Elvis. So we pulled our bus over, and Elvis pulled his uh, Dodge Mobile over and stand on the side of the interstate. Elvis uh, got out with his black uh, shirt, black pants, his captain hat he used to wear, you know, like, like sailors, mm-hmm. not sailors, but a, a, a ship's captain's hat. Mm-hmm. And uh, stood on the side of the interstate uh, 40 out there, you know, Elvis wanted to talk to the quartet, and of course, everybody wanted to see Elvis. I don't know why, but I just just thinking about that. Um, 
if my mother and father were here, they could tell you a lot, lot more stories. Uh, we lived in uh, Lauderdale Courts when I was born. Which is where Elvis lived as well. Right. But during this time, when I was born in 54, Mr. Presley got a job with DuPont Paint, which meant he was making too much money to live there, so they actually threw the Presley family out of uh, Lauderdale Courts. But they just moved one block over Alabama Street. On to the left was Lauderdale Courts, and to the right was this big duplex house, and Elvis and his mom and dad moved in, in that house. And so uh, from that neighborhood, we knew Elvis. He'd come over to my parents' apartment, and and they'd see him outside playing football. And, of course, four blocks north of all that, or west of all that, was the Elvis Auditorium, where the Black Brothers were having monthly concerts. And Elvis was at always, hmm. always at those. Aria Church, which was uh, west uh, a good bit from, from that area, and they all went to church at First Assembly of God Church. Matter of fact, that's where... Elvis and my dad and my mother all met for the first time in, in Sunday school class at that church. Wow. Um, tell us about the Songfellas. Who, who were they and uh, when did they form? And well, my, a little about them. <laughs> my, my father wasn't with the, uh, before he was with the Black Brothers, he formed a quartet at First Assembly with Elvis. And uh, J.C. Willis was a realtor. I think he was part of the group, and Jimmy Hamill. Dr. Hamill was a pastor at First Assembly, and, of course, Jim Hamill was the lead, you know, the singer for the Kingsmen for years and the Rebels and, and the Oak Ridge Boys and other groups all before that. But Jimmy Hamill, my dad, and Elvis, and others formed as a song fellas quartet uh, before 1954. And uh, Jimmy Strout, who ran uh, Teen Challenge, would give them a car and a projector and would say you could take this car and this projector and take it to your concerts and I'll pay for I'll sponsor you just show this movie I'll sing a little bit and show this movie about Teen Challenge and so they did that all across the Mid-South they didn't have wow. to pay for their travel expenses because they I got it written off my uh, Jimmy Shrout who was you know a big deal back in the 50s and at Teen Challenge wow. entrepreneurs as kids could you imagine being at one of those concerts I'd love to. That would be something. Cecil Blackwood and Elvis Presley. Yeah. I don't care who Jim else is there. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just went, I, I, I saw the Blackwood brothers with Cecil Blackwood. I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> I'm in the 90s. Wow. Um, I'm going to say mid-90s. They came to Corridon, Indiana. Yeah. That was the very first time that I ever got to see. Where year was that? I, the, in the 90s, I was singing very 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 part-time with a couple guys that I knew and uh, just a couple little churches here and there and the four of us wanted to go and uh, see the Blackwood Brothers they were that's 20 minutes 30 minutes maybe away yeah. from my house at the time uh-huh. and we jumped in the car the four of us these wet behind the ear idiot kids <laughs> Uh, that formed their own stupid quartet. It wasn't a stupid quartet, you know what I mean. We, we what jumped was in your quartet? I, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> Forever His, I think, is is what we call Forever it. His. Forever oh, His. Oh, how unique. Right. I think exactly. Paul might come up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blackwood Brothers was already taken. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, so, and so was Lefebvre. So. Lefebvre's was taken. Cathedral's was taken. Yeah. So, I mean, the Go Forth Four. Go the Tony forth. Goforth <laughs> Jubilee Singers. What are we going to be called? Wow. So we jumped in the car. We headed to, to uh, Cord, and we went into that little church. It was not a little church. It was a big church. 
the great big huge bus and I thought man we are going to see gospel music royalty yep. here it is these guys sang for an hour and a half and I thought this is the coolest thing we sat down and the four of us were sitting together and your dad looks over at me and these the rest of these guys and he points he says this has got to be a young southern gospel quartet what they called us out <laughs> my, my dad called your dad and your dad really did. so after the show he says we we go out and of course they're they're at the product table in the hallway after after the show and I spoke to your dad. You this never is, told me this. I'm, that's why I'm saving it for this podcast, man. You've got to have some gold here. <laughs> well, we, there's a root. Somebody's always doing all this. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we sat. We stood there, and he said, "Sing us a song." Oh my gosh! And I have been trying to rack my brain to figure out to remember what song it was that we sang. But the four of us little idiots. I can't believe you never told me this. Sang for your dad in that little church in the hallway. Who else sang in that group? My friend Dan Graff. Um, and uh, I think it was Chris Brown and Jason Cooper. I think the four of us were. And, and the, the other three don't sing professionally now. My friend Dan is the worship leader at a church in Louisville, Kentucky. And what was the name of the group? Forever His. Forever His from, from Louisville, They've Kentucky. Pr practically 30 years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I was in my 20s, and let me tell you, and we we thought that we had arrived because Cecil Black would ask us to sing a song out in the hallway. Yeah, that sounds like him. He did stuff like that all the time. Yeah, and I thought, I, this is what I want to do. I want to do this yeah. mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. I, I want to be like him. I want to sing with him someday. And the Blackwood <laughs> brothers were still influencing young singers. <laughs> At the, yes, absolutely. Yep. I could not believe that I had the opportunity to even speak to Cecil Blackwood, much yep. less be singing a song right absolutely. there next to him. So wow. How about that? And all these years later, here I am. Yeah, well, what a blessing it is. Here we are singing together. And uh, I don't know that you, know, uh, you had that experience with my dad. Yeah, isn't that cool? The Will Rogers Auditorium in Fort Worth, Lloyd Orell, not not Lloyd Orell, um, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. I know him real, uh, W.B. Nyland used to sponsor all the big concerts every, every month. It was a big, big deal in gospel music. Black Brothers and Statesmen, I've had uh, people like B.J. Thomas, mm. Jackson Brown, and we, we, you know, we speak about Elvis, but the list just goes on and on and on. Of people that uh, that that sing that were inspired by by my father and and my my uncle's quartet black Blackwood brothers yeah wow just the neatest thing um, I know that you have opportunities to uh, see and uh, speak to young people young singers what would you tell a young singer that wants to be a professional what would you tell them how would you what what are some of the things that you would say to them would you say stay away from it would you say learn get you the craft? a pickup truck and some tools and become a good plumber yes. make money rest your life <laughs> <laughs> would, would you really tell them that would you say to a young a young singer that just imagine you were your dad and i walk up to the table the most talented singers guitar players musicians are definitely starving that they never got their break, you know. My uncle James used to say, "Talent is just a a, a, a percentage. You got to have the break." 
mm. uh, the opportunity, the talent, and uh, you know the desire to work at it and everything. So it, you never know when you're speaking to someone, do they have all those things going for them? You could be a great singer and not get you know past the word go. Where other people they want to sing so bad, and they're not really that good of a singers, but they end up getting to sing because they did the other things. You know, showed up, ready to work, whatever, was willing to you know be, be part of something even though they might not be the best singer so it, it's just really hard you got to go w search your own heart individually and decide uh, do I want to pay the price for this do I want to do this the sacrifices that we had to make this is not always easy as you well know yes. mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know it's just a God-given thing not just God-given talent but a God-given desire in your heart to truly proceed pursue this and go forth I'm blessed because of who my father was and who my grandfather was. We do have to show up and do a good job, otherwise we don't get rebooked. I think we've got a great group, or we have a great sound, but, you know, a lot of groups have a great sound, but they'll never get heard right. because the avenue is not, just not there. So you, you have to search yourself and your resources to, to make it. You have to have resources. It's yeah. just this sad part about it but it's the truth i have to think back to all of the times that it really didn't have much to do with my talent it was mm. where i was and right. and and the situation that i was in dedication had, had i not been singing with a group that sang with the christian brothers when they were needing a tenor i wouldn't have gotten the job for the christian brothers and then we wouldn't have met had i not gotten the job with the christian brothers i never would have met you almost so. 20 years ago in greenville texas and that's something and, and and though we met eight was it 18 years ago it's almost 20 it's two i'm guessing in late 2003 maybe or four 20 years ago we met in greenville at a uh at a, a marshall harold marshall concert and uh we discussed it you know through the years trying to get together and we finally did uh, two and a half years ago it's been great but I had no idea that guy I met 20 years ago had that encounter with my father you were telling yeah, me about isn't that earlier. great yeah I, I, and I wouldn't have been spurned to do other things had I not met him yeah. so it it's mm. gonna go all the way up yeah. to Domino's. where I sit right now Domino had I not been singing with the Greens uh, I would not have met Jason I would never and, have met Tony and we would not have these three people that were sitting around the Correct. table right now so very I true just, um, it's exciting and it's well, never get this straight. You sing with the Greens? Yeah. Wow. Truly, <laughs> wow. I need your autograph. Great. <clears throat> we'll exchange autographs oh later. Okay, oh, can't wait. Um, we'll give each other autographs. You've, you've been all over the world. Tell us one. Of, what's the favorite place that you've ever been? That's a very general question, but but I, I've got a more specific one after that. So, where's the favorite place that you've ever been? Probably the airport in New York City when I got back to the States. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On the way back home. Your recliner back in, in Knoxville. Yeah, right, exactly. My backyard in Knoxville is my favorite place. But uh, because my father, we uh, I've had the opportunity to sing in Moscow, Russia, the Temple of the Gospel. We've been to the Hermitage. Uh, we didn't sing there, but we were in that town, Leningrad. Mm. I think you call it St. Petersburg now. Wow. Yeah. It's back to St. It was St. Petersburg, then Leningrad, now back to St. Petersburg. Sung there. I've sung in Belfast, Ireland. I've sung in uh, 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 Belgium, uh, Blackpool, England. Yeah, you've been to Australia? Never been to Australia. I thought you said you had. Never been to Spain. <laughs> I kind of like their music. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's an opportunity of a lifetime to be able to go and do what you love to do in different countries. 
and uh, just the experience of being able to see different cultures and things like that. It's yeah. uh, it's a one in a million opportunity. It's like winning the lottery. You've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. That's for sure. Um, wh- where's your favorite place to sing? Shower at my house yes. in uh, in Knoxville, but <laughs> in oh, the you kitchen. Mean in the kitchen to your wife? Uh, no, I don't sing for her. Yeah, <laughs> because she doesn't want you to. Yeah, she she say take that somewhere else, right? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, as as you guys well know, we've had the great opportunity to sing for thousands of people, do a lot of exciting things. We do these Elvis birthday tribute uh, tours. Well, there'd be you know, 1,000, 3,000 people there cheering and screaming. We've sung with Willie, mm-hmm. Willie Nelson, where people cheering and scream and love us and everything. And, and uh, we're grateful for these opportunities. God yeah. willing, we'll get a chance to do more of those. But when I'm home at my house, I'm nothing but the servant boy. <laughs> and they, they, my yard, children man. couldn't care less about you know yeah. all the stuff we're talking about. But <laughs> do, do the kids know who... What the Blackwood name means to the rest of uh, the world, maybe? Well, they've certainly been told. I'm not sure if they comprehend it. Maybe my my girls are uh, 15, and uh, we're just trying to get them through high school. They're doing good, but they're they're so involved in their activities. And uh, I married a superwoman. Uh, My wife is uh, the greatest parent in the world. I I can't compete with uh, the way she... uh, is raising our children. Of course, I do all I can, but she's just amazing. And uh, their schooling, and their lives, church life, and things. That you know, uh, a wholesome family. That that comes first before this life yeah. that, that we live. Right. I, of the great women in the world, I can think of few. Mm. I can think of Mother Teresa. Mm. <laughs> I can think oh, of here we go. Dolly Parton. <laughs> and I can think of Jennifer Blackwood. Yeah, I, saw that, I saw that come oh, out a mile away. There's a clever name that you call her and that is a nickname. And that has picked up on a lot of the people that you know. I don't know that they know what 99 means. Many, many people have said, oh, I saw something that 99 posted on Facebook. Now, yeah. to the average person, nobody knows who, what, who's this 99 of which you speak. We know who 99 is. Yeah. I would never call her, and I also would never call her Mrs. Blackwood. I was corrected once. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be very respectful and kind, and uh, don't, Jason, don't call Jennifer gonna Blackwood be tough. Mrs. It's Blackwood. It's going to be tough. Be my, my back, my right. back ground. You're just trying to be uh, respectful, but... I was in a hotel lobby checking us in just a few days ago, and I had to get my phone out uh, to get the confirmation number. And I, I hardly knew this lady, if I even knew her at all, just checking me in. I got my phone out and showed her the phone, the confirmation number, but uh, my wife's picture came up. And she goes, oh, that's 99. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell, wow. tell, us, tell us the story of why she's 99. Well, she, she makes me ninety-nine percent complete. I don't know. No, of uh, course, we were um, we went to New York City when we first got married, and we went to the David Letterman show, and we thought we weren't going to get in, and then they all of a sudden came up with a hundred extra tickets for people to get in. So when we were walking through the line, the guy was counting the tickets off, and uh, and it's like ninety-seven. 98, the person in front of her, and when the guy handed her the ticket, he went 99, 
and then gave my ticket. I was 100. So ever since that day, she's been 99. She has got to be 99 from now on. That is so interesting. Isn't I never that knew that story. For all of you that have been calling her 99 and you didn't know what it was about, I just made that up. <laughs> it's a fantastic funny, story. <laughs> it's a fantastic story, no matter what. We, we've had some great questions. Jason, you got any questions for Mark? I don't believe so. I think we've touched everything. We've touched everything. I have one last question. Yes. Oh, no, no. Here goes. Are you ready? Who's your favorite tenor? Oh, my goodness. Tony Goforth. That's right. Don't no, you ever forget Everybody's that. way, way past in, in, <laughs> in his jet streams. Way, way, I mean, invisible compared to the mighty, awesome Tony Goforth. he got a heart of gold, loves Jesus. My favorite tenor ever to sing with because he can really sing his features really good. You never got to worry about him singing off pitch or not delivering it. He gets that tonation, that head chest, perfect combination of singing and delivers and blend. What a great blending tenor. Mm. You're fabulous. I love singing with you. And, and what's your name? I don't remember. <laughs> don't worry, I can add all that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen, never forget. Now, we can't let go by without bragging on our... Uh, nah, now nah, we certainly can. Breath. Breath. <laughs> what breath on that? I like Jason's accent when he tries to sing his feature. You like? Oh no! I try to hide that. I like how when uh, lately when he finishes uh, his oh. feature tunes, they've been cheering and screaming, they like have thunderous been. applause. He's literally got standing ovations in the last week, and it's been great to see that. Uh-huh. And he doesn't receive it. He just sits back and oh, it's Mark sits it up that way. I'm uh-huh. like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Uh, you got to deliver. Yeah. You know, yeah, Mark can order the pizza, but I'm they got to eat it. I'm just happy to be here. That's all. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just wanting to be a blessing. That's all. <laughs> Bless his heart. Well, we've we've had some uh, some great opportunities over the last. How long have you been? In six or eight months? Uh, since July. Yeah. And here it is February. Yeah. Um, got him a pretty red truck now. I got me a pretty red truck. Got him a red truck. That's awesome. Bought right me there. a red truck, and the next week. Mark went and bought him one. <laughs> My one red. <laughs> but it wasn't red. Within a Smoke. week, within a week, I had the Midnight Maxima. Yeah, Ooh, you know, we yeah. all had new vehicles. I I thought, What's the Blackwoods doing? They're going to have all, got got all cars. new cars, man. <laughs> Mark gave them all a raise. They've all got brand new cars. All kind of exciting. I mean, our lives are just <laughs> radically changing as we sit here moment by moment. Something, something really thrilling is happening in what? How many days, Tony? Oh, in yeah. five, well, six days. She, she will be here in five days. Six days. Uh, Who's going to be here? What's going to happen? My future bride. Ooh, you get married. Sweet, the sweet Miss Jody. By the time this drops, that'll be uh, the day before. Yeah. yeah so, so if you're listening to this, it's at least Monday. It is Monday. You're getting married the next day. And I'll day. get married on Tuesday. Tuesday. We're getting married in Las Vegas. And Elvis is going to do the Elvis service. Now, when you get married, is your accent going to change? Or? No, I'm going to try to get it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually yes. I'm trying to develop more of a Jason Gordon oh, yeah. accent. No, you ought to go with that Mid Atlantic thing. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Goforth. This is Tony Goforth speaking to you from coming to you. Hall. It'll be great. <laughs> well, we had some. I ain't even going to attempt that. Oh come on! Yeah, <laughs> I, I pay money for that. I pay I'll money buy that right now. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, answering all of our questions and all the stuff that people want to know. If you are interested in hearing more, if you uh, have questions that you'd like to have answered, folks, send us an email at 
Let's go backstage at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Backstage Pass, with Tony and Jason. You can find uh, Jason and I both on uh, Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Let's hear what those questions are, folks. Thanks, and, and have a great one. We'll see you next time.